the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. In the book of Exodus, you find the children of Israel making their way out of slavery, headed to freedom, to a new country that God had promised them. And on the way, they stop at a place called Mount Sinai. At that place, Moses would meet, according to the word, God face to face. And in that meeting, he would receive what we know as the Ten Commandments. And that's what we've been studying the last two days. And we're going to finish it up today. And tomorrow will be Fireway Friday. We always look forward to that. But Alex, it's been a great study. We've gotten through basically five. And now we're going to cover the last five in the last day. But uh, these, you know, the Ten Commandments, they are exciting because I want to tell you, the most exciting thing to me is it, it reveals the character of God, that life is important, he is loving, that he cares for people, private ownership, that he loves family, thou shalt not commit adultery. It does reveal God's character, doesn't it? Well, it does, and Bert, it's great to talk about this wonderful subject of, the, yes, the Ten Commandments, which reveals the holy, righteous nature of God. And you know, Bert, when we talk about God's holiness, I mean, we realize that he's perfect and we're imperfect and he's eternally righteous and we're, we're fallen, even though forgiven. If you're a believer in Christ, your sins are washed away. But Bert, part of God's eternality, I mean, God is eternal, uncreated, God is forever. And part of that is because the Bible says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I feel like we we don't really fully we can't really get our mind around the fact that God is infinitely righteous and holy, and the Ten Commandments are a reflection of that. They are, and again, uh, I I just want you to know when you're listening, there's some hiddenness and mystery to God. If you mm-hmm. were to take that out of who He is, and we have that full, complete understanding, uh, you know, I. Where would faith be? Because of some some of the things that we know of God, it reveals uh, his character, who he is. But the hiddenness of God, the purpose of him letting certain things happen and causing certain things to happen, uh, they are beyond me. And, And in place of me driving it away, it drives me closer to him to want to be close to the one who, who has a purpose for everything that occurs and can take the mess that we make of ourselves and he can make it into something that helps us and glorifies him as we're redeemed. Alex, God is simply amazing. That's I mean, I come to that conclusion. Well, amen, and he has a plan for each and every life. And, you know, we look at the Ten Commandments, and today we're going to really kind of wrap up the, the, the last five. We've talked about this and gone through the first five. But here's the thing. If you read the Ten Commandments, and, you know, it says, Thou shalt not lie, and thou shalt not commit idolatry or immorality. And you may say to yourself, well, you know, I, I've done one or more of these things. I've broken one or more of the Ten Commandments. 
the good news is God is not finished with you. God loves you. God will forgive you. He'll save you. He'll change you. And no matter where you are in, in life's journey, you can get on God's path today. I mean, right now, today, wherever you are, whatever you've done, you can call out to the Lord Jesus. Your sins can be washed away. The holiness of God is attributed to you, the believer, and you can begin to follow God's wonderful plan for your life, even beginning today, regardless of your past, God still has something special for you if you'll turn to him today. And what we won't get, but what we see in Deuteronomy especially, because it's in, we find the Ten Commandments in two different passages in the Old Testament, Exodus 20, but also in Deuteronomy 5, they were given again as they were about to go into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy, it shows the response of Israel. And they were eager to hear, and God's response was a blessing if you, com- uh, if you keep them. And so we want your response to be that of saying, Oh, God, I see myself as lost, unable to be all that you want me to be, the Bible makes it plain. All have come short of the glory of God because we have sinned. But God, loving us, sent his Son to redeem the world for those that would put their trust in him could be saved. And so if you've never done that, we're praying that you would, that you would take the time to do that. If you need help, there's a number. We try to give it early and because we have the call-in number later. But the number that you can call to find help on how to know Jesus, how to come in relationship with him, is 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. They're people. They're our partners. And they will help you come to the realization of your need for a Savior. And that only Savior that can deliver you and give you eternal life is Jesus Christ. So I pray you'd make that call today. So, Alex, as we get started that's our desire. When we started the Ten Commandments, we was praying not just people to know know them, which is good, know about them, which is good, but to know the God who gives them. That's the real key, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. And, you know, uh, we're going to come to the Fifth Commandment, uh, verse 12 of Exodus 20, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You know, uh, Leviticus 19.3 says that we are to reverence our mother and father. And, you know, yesterday you you and I mentioned a little bit about this, and, you know, maybe you've had a great family, maybe you don't think you've had the greatest of families, but regardless, the Lord in his providence gave us life. Life is a gift. He allowed us to have a, a mother and a father. And I hope you know your parents, I hope you love your parents, and I hope your parents know the Lord. But when I read Exodus twenty twelve, Bert, I think about the context. And you know, the Lord, he could have allowed you to be born anywhere, but you were born where you were. The Lord could have decreed that you came up in any circumstance imaginable almost, but you were where you were born and you are where you are. And Bert, I, I just believe God arranges the circumstances of our life so that we will become aware of Christ and turn to him. And I say that because, listen, you are not a victim of your surroundings, your circumstance, your past. You don't have to be enslaved by any of those 
past details. Listen, if your life has been just one blessing after another, well, that's great. Acknowledge the good Lord who's done that. If your life has been a challenge, acknowledge how much we all need the Lord and turn to Him. But one thing that we all have is a context, and God presided over our placement within that context, didn't he? He does, and he did. And what happens, he gives you a future and hope. You remember Jeremiah 29, 11, his thoughts for us. And I know he was saying it to Israel, and I understand that. And people say, oh, that's for a nation. But if you look at that and you look at the whole thing, that's not just true for the nation or the individuals in Israel or Judah. It was true for us today. His plans are to give us a future and a hope. And aren't you glad that future and the hope go together? Because you have a future no matter where you are in life. But in Christ Jesus, you have hope. And that hope is realized in Christ. And so in that family that you were raised in, that, you know, it may have, you may have been adopted. And you praise God for that. And you may not know your birth mother or your birth, birth father, but you can know the he who is the father to the fatherless, and that's the Lord God, and he wants to know you and care for you, and he does. So put your mm. hand in his hand and uh, just put your life in his hands. He'll he'll care for you. Alex, the next one that we need to get started on is, is verse 13. You shall not, now it says thou shalt not kill in the King James. The real word is you shall not murder. And most mm -hmm. of the newer translation does that correctly. You shall not murder. Uh, now, when people say that, thou shall not kill, they have trouble with capital punishment. They say, well, you know, why should you, you didn't protect yourself? No, there are some uh, ways that uh, protecting yourself, uh, capital punishment by a government, uh, they're real. And, uh, Alex, let me put this, and I'll throw it back to you. I think the cities of refuge prove to us that thou shalt not kill, uh, that it says in the King James, thou shalt not murder is the real case. Because if, mm -hmm. if someone was out somewhere and they accidentally uh, cut a tree and that tree cut uh, fell down on someone, they could go to the city of refuge and those are talked about in Joshua chapter 20. And they could go there and they could get, well, I'm going to just going to call it a fair trial, a fair hearing, and to know the truth. So I think the Bible just demonstrates over and over again that it's thou shalt not murder. It's not thou shalt not kill. Right, exactly, because not all killing is murder. I mean, there's self-defense, there's national defense, there are accidental uh, deaths that take place. But homicide or assassination uh the the in the sixth commandment when it talks about thou shalt not murder and what's interesting really in the original language it's like this not murder you know right. um in the english to really smooth it out it says you shall not murder uh but really in the hebrew it, it simply says not murder or no murder um that's malice that's something that's a completely unjustified taking of another human life. Whereas if it were self-defense or national defense, or let, let me just say, Bert, I, um, I cringe whenever I hear people talking about defund the police. And uh, look, it's a fallen world. Unfortunate things happen. But Romans 13 really does say 
that those that bear the sword, the peacekeepers, uh, soldiers, law enforcement, they're, they're really servants of God if they're acting lawfully and justly and sadly in a, in a world of sin. And there's everything from, you know, uh, bank robbers to terrorists killing by law enforcement acting justly is not murder, is it? It is not. And we have those law enforcement officers, and many of them are listening to us right now, Alex. We've, I've met and We thank several. God for each of you. We do. We thank God for you. You're driving around, and uh, you have your radio on some because you got to be alert to the other radio or the cell phone that comes in and around you. But we appreciate you. We say thank you, and uh, you're ministers of the Lord. Now, Alex, they look at you and me and say, oh, you're ministers of God. Well, I, I'm going to take that and say I praise God that God's called me and he's given me of his Holy Spirit, his anointing to do the work of God. But our policemen, our law enforcement officers, they're out there. According to Romans 13, they are those ministers. And we say thank you, don't we? We do. We really, really do. And so I, I think it's clear, you know, that we we human beings are not to kill somebody. And, you know, Jesus even took it a step further and said, don't hate somebody in your heart. I mean, while uh, thankfully the number of people who actually commit murder is, is few, but many people with anger, unforgiveness, malice, hatred, it's like murder in their heart. And again, all humans are made in the image of God. Therefore, life is sacred. And so uh, let's remember that we're not to hate or murder within our heart against somebody. We're going to come back in the next segment. We're going to cover four about, uh, you know, don't rob, don't, don't steal. The importance of honesty. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet. We're going to cover those when we get right back to Exploring the Word. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Ann Milgram, Administrator of the Drug Enforcement Administration. She leads an agency of more than 10,000 public servants who work in offices across the United States and around the world. Philippians 2.3 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Ann Milgram as she leads the DEA. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Most of us understand that Jesus came to save us. But Dr. Tony Evans says we're not always clear about what he came to save us from. He'll explain with the help of a personal story as we spend two minutes with Tony. When I was a, a water safety instructor training lifeguards how to save people, they were saviors related to a specific task. And that is folks who were drowning. It was not savior for everything. It was savior for drowning folks. Now, if a person was drowning, there may have been other things that needed to happen, but there was a primary thing 
that overruled everything else, and that was saving their lives from drowning because that was the nature of that job description. Jesus has a job description, and that is to be a rescuer, but we are told in verse 21 what would be the issue of his rescuing. It says, and he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus's primary and central rescuing mission is to rescue people from sin. One of the reasons he does not rescue us from a bunch of other stuff is because we don't allow him to rescue us from the main thing. All this other stuff that you and I wrestle with in our day-to-day life is in some way related to sin. Learn more about the only way God has provided to solve the sin problem. Visit TonyEvans.org, click on the top menu, and follow the Jesus link. Tony has a video with a simple explanation and a life-changing invitation. Check it out today, then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Well, that is some upbeat, peppy music to bring us back to our study of the Ten Commandments. Folks, you're listening to Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. Alex and Bert. So glad you're with us. Hope you're having a great day. We are in Exodus 20, and let me encourage you to to read those Ten Commandments. Bert, I was in a restaurant traveling, and I saw somebody had posted on the wall a plaque of the Ten Commandments, and I think that's a good thing because we all, all of us, especially young people growing up, we need to be reminded of the, the call to live morally. And the Word of God, the Ten Commandments, tells us of God's perfect moral code, doesn't it? It does. When the Supreme Court ruled that they needed to take the Ten Commandments out of the schools, I believe that was in the 1970s uh, with a Kentucky school, and they said the Supreme Court majority reason said this might cause these children to obey them, therefore venerate God. You, have you looked at yeah. what's happened to her school since the Ten Commandments has been taken out? That's a whole different thing, but that needs to be looked at. Alex, it is amazing how, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to use the word that I think, but it starts with the S and it ends in stupid. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, I know well, there's yes. some parents out there that teach their children, don't say stupid, but some things just are, and, and well, do that you know one what? was. I remember reading about, uh, you know, the opinion about not posting the Ten Commandments, and it said that um, it because those Ten Commandments could tend to influence people. Yeah. And I thought, well, yeah, that's the whole idea. <laughs> I mean, I hope I hope they would influence people. But the fact is that um, the Decalogue, the Deca, prefix for ten, the Ten Commandments, the, the perfect law of God, which, as Romans 1 and 2 says, not only written on those tablets of stone, but written on every heart and aware to every human being, those are uh, the, that's the law of God, and our government was based on this. Now, we'll tackle this subject for another day, perhaps, but 
Posting the Ten Commandments, public knowledge of the Ten Commandments, that does not violate the First Amendment's clause about the non-establishment of religion. But uh, we need, tell you what, our nation needs the Ten Commandments. Uh, number six, thou shalt not commit murder. A lot of people say it's interesting. Six is the number of a man. And, uh, you know, Commandment six is a prohibition against the unjust taking of human life. Uh, the seventh commandment, uh, verse 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. And uh, elsewhere in the Bible, in Deuteronomy, and of course in the New Testament too, there's a prohibition against, well, some words you don't hear much anymore, fornication and uh, lasciviousness and immoral living. But adultery is cheating on your spouse, breaking your marriage vows, um, sex between people that aren't married. Bert, I was talking to some youth, and, and I'll say this and throw it back to you, uh, but uh, during this Q&A among some college students, somebody said, um, why, why is God against sex? And the answer is he's not. Uh, but because he loves us and because God is God and we're not, we are wise to observe the boundaries God has placed around sexual activity. And God has given a context in which sexual activity is lawful, sanctioned, even blessed in the eyes of God. And that context is called marriage, isn't it? It is. And it shows you the sanctity of marriage. It shows you the importance of family. It demonstrates the relationship because Paul would take that up that the relationship between a man and a woman is is likened to the relationship that God has with us. Uh, adultery and idolatry, they sound a little bit alike, and they have a lot of, uh, to you know, things that are, uh, I would say, like one another. But being faithful, being that faithful spouse, I just want to tell you, let me recommend it. I want you who are listening uh if you're if you've never been married, save yourself for that person that you will marry. It will be a blessing to you. It will help you. It will strengthen you. And you're obeying the Lord. God is the one that tells you the best way to use what he has created. And Alex, you said it. He created sex, and he said the best way and the right way is in the context of a man and woman in marriage. Make mm -hmm. that your goal. Put it, preachers, youth workers, Sunday school teachers, make it, make it a habit to talk about that ever so often. Uh, it comes up in the scriptures, and it will help, and it will bless. So thou shalt not commit adultery. Don't let it be a part of your lifestyle. And, you know, the very word commit implies some uh, evil act. You know, it's not just do or engage, it's commit. And, and people commit crimes. People commit murder. And 14 says, do not commit adultery. Uh, verse 15, the eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal. And we, we know what that is. I mean, even, th and this is one of those teachable moments. Even a little child can know we don't take things that aren't ours. We might ask permission or we might borrow, but we don't take something that doesn't belong to us because that would be stealing. Alex, this shows you the right of private ownership. 
it's not only the issue of what it does not say, it does say, don't take that which is not yours, but it's also showing the right of having and owning it. Uh, this is really a strike against socialism. It's a strike against communism. Preach it, brother. It, Amen. it is private ownership. And those that want to go to the book of Acts and talk about socialism, they've missed the mark. It was voluntarily. It was individual. And they're it, the it was generosity, it not, was. And not I, coercion. And I'm, I just want to say, you know, use the resources you have. If God's blessed you, use them wisely. Use them to bless others. Uh, and Dan, Celia, our friend, uh, he makes a big deal out of how you use your money. He said, I made a decision a long time ago that in my money that I'm giving, it would be tithes and offering, I'm giving it to those that have the ministry of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. He said the world can take care of those others. And again, that's just what Dan says. There's some good things out there that doesn't necessarily uh, have to do with the gospel. It's children's hospitals, and they're awesome, and they're good. And don't you hear me say, don't give to them. I'm not saying that. But use the resources you have to praise the Lord with. Don't be greedy. Uh, don't don't hoard, Alex. Don't keep mm -hmm. it. Uh, be You know, uh, I use this, and you've been to the Holy Land. It's amazing when you go to the Jordan River and you come to the Sea of Galilee, that was a place where Jesus ministered, and guess what many of his apostles were? They were fishermen. But when you go further south, you come to the Dead Sea. Guess how many fish are in the Dead Sea? How many? None. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because there's Can't. no drainage. In other words, yes. the Dead Sea, the only thing it does is collect, and it's salty, and it cannot sustain the life of the, the fishes, I understand that. And so what you have, be a channel of blessing. You remember that old, old hymn, Make Me a Channel of Blessing? Yes, uh, It yes. means let the resources of God come to you and through you to others. You know, I was on the road preaching, and um, in fact, this, this particular city might be some people listening even right now, and we went to see a man, and they said... Um, we think he's Christian. Oh, this guy is rich, but he's quite elderly, and he might support some of your ministries. And so we went to see him, and you know, I was talking about how we we've been able to lead a lot of young people to Christ, and but we need some help. And you know, I could tell I, he he knew that I was asking for financial help, and he wasn't liking it. And so anyway, he had a warehouse full of cars. He had millions of dollars worth of rare cars. That was his pride and joy. And later there was a big rainstorm, and this plaster roof fell and destroyed all these cars. And I thought about all of the money this man had. But, and listen, I'm not saying you can't have hobbies and fun things you're into. We all have a hobby or something. But listen, if God's blessed you with wealth, the Bible says don't hoard it up where moth and rust, corrupt, you know, whatever God's entrusted with you, like Dan Celia, I think like we've all tried to do, put it to work for the gospel. Put it to work for the gospel. Because, hey, you know what? A plaster ceiling might fall and crush your classic cars. But the, the money you've invested in the Great Commission, that counts for all of eternity. Now, let me say one more thing about stealing. 
the eighth commandment, Exodus twenty fifteen. You remember um, Malachi three eight and following asked that rhetorical question: Will a man rob God? See, when you think of stealing, you might think of you know stealing from another human being. We can steal from God. And to go back to the adultery thing, do you know what? Um, cheating on your spouse, that's stealing from the spouse of the person with whom you're cheating. I mean, so the, these iniquities compound and overlap, don't they, Bert? They do. Great point. I had in my notes, don't forget Malachi. Will a man rob God? You've robbed God. How? By your tithes and offerings. So I, I just mm. want to share with you, uh, God blesses. He He is the one that pours in. The Bible says, give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken, running over. Uh, God to give into your bosom, as it says in the King James Version. Uh, be known as a giver, not just a taker. Alex, yeah. we better yeah. get to the last two. We've got about uh, five minutes to do so. Yeah. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't yeah. lie. Do, uh, yeah. You know, tr- does this show the importance of truth? You and I talked about truth. And matter of fact, just a heads up, Alex and I are going to do a program on truth because mm-hmm. people say today, it's your truth, it's my truth. No, it is God's truth. You shall not bear false witness. And Alex, uh, how important is a witness? Uh, they're very important in a, in a jury trial, aren't they? That, well, they really are, and to bear false witness is to falsely accuse somebody or to lie. And look, the sad thing is, again, we we learn this as children. I didn't do it; he did it, <laughs> you know. And w- blame shifting, blame shifting goes back to the Garden of Eden. Adam said, "Well, Lord, it wasn't my fault. That woman that you gave me." I mean, even back in the Garden of Eden, Adam tried to clear his name and put the the blame on Eve and even on the Lord. And so let's be honest. You know, um, I often mention, well, some of the people that have invested in me, I was in an apologetics conference. I'll tell you this really quickly. And the um, subject during one of the Q&A, and I had, oh, goodness, like Lee Strobel and Josh McDowell and John Ankerberg and some great thinkers. And somebody asked a question about why was lying bad? Um, Because words have power. And that there is something, there's something evil, everybody agreed upon, to, to tell a lie. Because truth is a sacred thing. Bert, um, and we're going to do that show on truth, but some of the most pious, brilliant people throughout history, from Aristotle to Charles Spurgeon, they, they felt like the, the, the handling of truth was actually a very sacred responsibility. And we're not to lie, are we? We are not. And again, you connected marriage and ownership. Truth is also connected to those. Truth in your marriage, truth in what you own and what you give. You remember Ananias and Sapphira? They lied to the Holy Spirit, and they paid the price immediately. There is a price, really. You may not seek it or see it immediately, there's a price for false representation. But let's get mm. to the last one. Don't have a lot of time. And it's the one that's kind of different than the others. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. And it gives a whole list. And it says anything that is your neighbor's. This is an inward attitude, Alex. Uh, you know, adultery. Jesus said you've committed adultery in your heart. But coveting is an inward 
something uh, uh, inward response to things that you should not have. It's wanting its unsatiable desires that's got out of hand, aren't they? Well, it is, and you you might have looked this up. I know you probably did because um, it's, it's very interesting how a lot of times we'll prepare for the show, and it turns out Bert and I were sort of studying the same things sometimes. But the word covet there is an interesting word, and it really means to pant after something. Now, we are to pant after the presence of the Lord and desire the Lord. I mean, that's okay because he is our life. But to covet your neighbor's wife or, or his employees or servants or his livestock or animals, we're not to pant after or obsessively crave, Exodus twenty seventeen anything that belongs to our neighbor. Because in our heart, obsession and unhealthy desire, coveting something, it, it takes our mind and maybe our actions to places we're not supposed to go. And how important are these? Let's sum it up. I think Psalm 11.3, these Ten Commandments are bedrock. They're a foundation for the nation of Israel as they were going in to occupy the land that God had given to them. Listen to Psalm 11.3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? These foundational concerning God, worshiping him, the truth, ownership, all of these are foundations to a society. And and here we're living in a day when all of them are trying to be destroyed, Alex. And what's going to happen? What do the righteous do? Well, I'll tell you what we always do. We turn to God no matter when or where, don't we? we- that's true. And I've got to say this, Exodus twenty seventeen about not coveting, it brings us back to the first two commandments. Have no other gods and don't be an idolater. Because that thing we covet and crave, it's like an idol. Okay. Whereas only God should be the ultimate thing in our life. This is Exploring the Word. When we come back, we're going to open up the phones and take your calls, your Bible questions, 888-589-8840. Stay tuned. We're back after this. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. King of the Wild Frontier. The music's free. I know we, we call it Learning University. Of necessity. <laughs> Trivia Friday. True. Ding, 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 yes. ding, ding. Oh, really? That's correct. What, Giraffes what? do not have vocal cords. So you want a cheeseburger without cheese. Hold the, <laughs> hold the cheese. I said, yes, ma'am, whatever you call it. Take a break with Tim Wildman and the gang. Friday mornings at 10 Central on American Family Radio. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth is stumbled in the street, and uprightness cannot enter. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Only two Scottish justices believe that only a woman can be a woman. In 2016, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals forced the Gloucester County School Board to comply with former President Obama's transgender bathroom mandate, allowing a girl to use the boys' restroom and locker room facilities in the Grimm versus Gloucester County School Board case. 
The school board appealed to SCOTUS, yet SCOTUS announced their refusal to hear the case, thus leaving the Fourth Circuit opinion in place. Only Justices Thomas and Alito believe the Supreme Court should hear the appeal. Only two. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Hebrews 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. When I was a teenager, I had a blue Oxford button-down shirt that I loved to wear. But one day as I was putting it on, my mother looked at me and said, Stephen, that shirt is worn out. I looked down and I saw little holes in the elbows and loose threads coming out. I was sad because it couldn't be fixed, and so I had to get rid of it. Well, the Bible says that the entire universe, the heavens, the earth, and everything in it will perish. But praise God, Jesus will remain forever. He is eternal. He will never change. And his love for us will never wear out. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. But he saves the poor from the sword of their mouth and from the hand of the strong. So the helpless has hope and injustice has shut its mouth. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Real quick before we go to the phone lines, I just want to remind everybody that the Fishbowl Retreat's available to, to register, and you can go to repairingthefoundations.net, the Pastor and Wife Fishbowl Retreat. Uh, it's for pastors and their wives, and uh, we're having folks calling in. We've got them registered, and you need to do that. It's October the 19th through the 21st uh, this year up at Pickwick Landing State Park. Near Savannah, Tennessee, Jan and I'll be there. Ed Vitagliano will be there, and JJ Jasper. Let's go to repairingthefoundations.net and register. Check with your pastor if you want to give them a good gift for Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, we didn't have, we didn't get to have it last year, so this year we're excited about it. But Alex, uh, we're also excited about the phone calls that's coming in, aren't we? We really are, folks. The number is triple eight five eight nine eight eight. Four zero, and we're going to first go up to Virginia and talk to David. David, welcome. You're the first caller on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Hello, brothers. How y'all doing? Good. Good to have you. All right. Thank you. Listen, um, I called about Hosea five ten a few weeks ago. You know, in the verse, I'll paraphrase a little, but he, he tells if you if you if you remove a landmark. I will put my wrath out like, you know, like water. Now, y'all answered it in very good detail, but this is why I called back. Up here in Richmond, we're having some problems, different ones. They're, they're taking all the Civil War statues down down off of Monument Avenue, and, I mean, it's a lot of uproar over here. Does that first, this man 
put the statues there, and and different men wrote laws to have them taken down. Does that have anything to do with Hosea five ten? Okay, David, thank you. We remember that phone call, Alex. I do, and appreciate I you, David, calling it, yeah. back. Uh, the statues. Listen, I I don't think I would have a hard time uh, connecting those, Alex, for as specific. But uh, tearing down those is denying history. Now, yes. again, they they may need to be relocated. I understand relocating some, you know. But uh, well, like um, in Mississippi, we had the conf- supposedly there's different opinion. The Confederate, uh, you know, uh, flag that was used in the corner of the Mississippi, uh, f- you know, flag state flag. And we've done away with it and got a new one. And I've asked some of my f- uh, friends that, you know, I, re- you know, receive their information. Well, they said, yeah, when I see that, I don't think about it. But if I think about it, yeah, it represents something that was hideous. You know, we was fighting for slavery. And so, Alex, uh, you know, I don't think uh, that one in Hosea and tearing down statues are exactly the same. What about you? Well, folks, just this morning I turned in an article for the AFA Journal that'll be out in September, and it's about a philosophy called deconstructionism. And really, deconstructionism, to to be overly simplified, includes really the attempt to whitewash history. And last summer, when all this tearing down of statues and really just the erasing of our history began, Two people that spoke out against tearing down of statues, there's an attorney named Sophia Nelson. She's a granddaughter of a slave, and she was, even she uh, said that she was against the tearing down of all these statues because she, quote, did not fear 150-year-old statues of dead white men. And then, listen to this, the ACLU is often spoken of in a negative light by conservatives because they've been so almost consistently against everything American, but Ellis Coase, a senior fellow at the ACLU, says that the statue should remain because it's our history and really actually the fact that we had the Emancipation Proclamation and we overturned the Dred Scott decision that tried to say that uh, African Americans were property to be owned. Really, uh, many scholars have said, whoa, stop the tearing down of all these statues because not not causing racism, talking about our victories for equality, they really help fight racism. And so, Bert, as, a, as an American, as one who knows our history, I'm very concerned. I'll say this, we'll go to the next call, but look, um, the bottom line, what about when they want to blast Mount Rushmore? What about... When there are even some calling now saying the American flag is a symbol of hate. What about those like two weeks ago when one of the progressives wanted to redecorate the rotunda of the Capitol? We're getting to the point where anybody that can make enough noise wants to change the fundamental nature of our country. What hangs in the balance are our liberties. Um, Bert, I'm very uncomfortable by the, the revising and the erasing of history because I feel like young people don't know enough about our nation as it is now. It is true. And so critical race theory goes along with that to rewrite 
and so many things are going on. You need to stand in righteousness. But far as Hosea and connected those, uh, the original question, Alex is exactly right. But the connection, I I would not say that would be one that you would use to demonstrate that. Uh, uh, so, David, thank you. Let's Where go to, to Cheryl, uh, Arkansas. Cheryl, uh, thank you for holding. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me again. I called you yesterday and was asking you about the first commandment and what I read in Deuteronomy. And I was calling back because after I spoke to you guys, and it's funny that you guys said in the beginning that it sounded like I was going from the milk and honey of the word to the solid meat, because yesterday I was fasting. And it was my first time fasting for biblical purposes. You know, I wanted to, and I, every time I got hungry, I'd remind myself, I live on not bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the Bible. And so I would meditate all day, and then I got to thinking about what you guys said, and I was thinking, you know, we're told God is love, God is love, but we never talk about He's also righteous and holy, which means He has to hold people accountable. And then I started thinking about how He raises nations up to um, punish other nations and things of that nature, and that nobody has a right to take human life, only God does. And sometimes He ordains people to do that, and I was thinking— and I also went back and was looking at that he asked to pass peacefully first, but God hardened the heart of the leader, whatever his name was, and forced, you know, the war to happen. So those deaths of that village was ordained by God, maybe as punishment, maybe it was a wicked people. I don't know, but I trust God's character. And so I just wanted to tell you guys, thank you for talking to me yesterday. And I just wanted to share what I feel came from the Holy Spirit and get your opinion if that sounds accurate am i on the right track or am i off base you're on the right track mm -hmm. shell let me say something about hardening the heart most of the time the way the the scripture talks about is giving people opportunity and when god gives opportunity and a person says no that is hardening of their heart again and again and it says over with pharaoh and others it says that he hardened his heart god hardened his heart but it is that God gives opportunity. That's why salvation for children, I would say from about seven or eight years old to 14 years old, how important it is. They're tender. They haven't said no to God. The older you get, saying no to God, Alex, puts you in a greater and greater and greater uh, category. Now, again, mm -hmm. God breaks through those categories. Amen. But still, when you if if you feel God speaking to your heart, when's the best time to obey? Right away, or right. else your heart can be hardened. Becomes, yeah. yeah, respond to the Lord. The minute you're aware of God's overtures to you, respond to Him. It sounds like you're doing that. And Cheryl, what a what a blessing! Thank you for listening, and uh, may God bless you in your investment of your relationship with the Lord. Uh, I want to go to Mississippi. We're going to speak to uh, Camille. Am I pronouncing your name correctly, Camille? You sure are. Thank you. Well, thank um, you for just holding. In case you, if, if you cut out, you're coming right back on, but every now and then while I've been listening, you'll cut off for just a second, but hmm. then you come right back. <laughs> um, okay. I just want to say thank you to both of you for your service to our team. What you do is a wonderful thing. Um, I'll be 60 next month, and I was asked a question by a 14-year-old yesterday that I truly feel is the most important question that's ever been asked, one of the most important, if not, anyway. 
that's ever been asked of me, and I want to make sure I answer it correctly. Um, her father sexually abused her. She is not in the picture um, anymore, but she's never had counseling or anything, and she's like a, an adopted granddaughter to me. Um, so I have access to being able to speak with her. Um, we had a good conversation yesterday about God and faith and the Bible and a lot of different things, and I just said to her that if God hadn't been in my life, I don't believe I would still be here, and that God, he's closer than brother. When the whole world lets you down, he's still there. He's the one that will be there. And she looked at me and said, if that's true, why wasn't he there for me? Why did he allow that to happen to me? And I don't know, but I want to give her the best answer to that. Well, we're going to try to help, Camille. (laughs) We're going to try to help. Alex, I've heard Mm -hmm. that. I've seen that. And when we say God has um, gotten you in the home that he wanted you to be raised in, it does not say God put you there to be abused or mm. misused. It is right. not saying that. And and so, Camille, that is right. God's desire was different than that. Uh, yet sin committed by someone affects others. And sexual sins, it seems to be of greater level of of hurt, Alex. You know, oh, it yeah. talks about sexual sin being harm to your own body, and when it happens in a relationship of father and daughter or grandfather and so forth, it is compounded, isn't it? Well, it really is. And you know, f- for what it's worth, and and this may. Um for, for people that are really hurting right now here at this moment, it might not be immediately comforting. But, Bert, uh, you and I have interviewed people, and we've talked to people that have gone through the deepest of valleys, the most severe pains, and down the road they saw where God was their refuge and strength, and then they were able to minister to others. I think about Second Corinthians 1, verse 4, that God comforts us in all our troubles so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the same comfort wherewith we ourselves were comforted of God. So there is not only salvation in Jesus, but there's healing and restoration. And oftentimes what we've gone through can be a blessing to others as we come along and we say, I understand, and even more than that, God understands. Well, let me, but, say, uh, let me say one more thing. Camille, we're, we're praying for you and your, and your granddaughter. But I, I just want to make sure that we understand, it's what I said earlier, there's some hiddenness and mystery in our God. There is. And I sit back and I, I would have, if I did not know him and read the Bible, I would want to say how in the world could a good God permit that to happen. I Again, there's that hidden in mystery. I just know with whatever happens, God takes and he can turn it into something that will bless others. And that's exactly what Alex was saying about God's comfort, comforting you, that you may comfort others as well. And we have, as Alex said, we have interviewed people and we pray. We're going to pray, Father, help Camille to know the answer. I pray for this granddaughter that she would find 
the relief that only can be found in that relationship with you of trusting you and loving you. You're a good, good father. You're not Mm. a bad father. You're a good, good father. And I pray she would run to you and be wrapped up in your loving arms. We're praying this and believing it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to get another call in. Let's go to Mississippi. Betty in Mississippi, are you there? Yes, sir. Um, Welcome. This this does not uh, just pertain to the uh, Ten Commandments, but uh, maybe you'll answer it for me. I have three granddaughters, one 18, a 17, and a 16, um, that lives relatively close to me. Um, and I just realized last week or two ago that, I guess it was about a week ago, they were talking about movies that they had watched and how she woke up, the 18-year-old woke up at night and uh, had a bad dream. And I said, you know, we should not watch. There's movies, horoscopes, things like that. That God says we should never watch, never get involved in anything like that. And she was just surprised. She said, you mean there is a, a, a devil out there or Satan out there, you know, that would affect my life. And anyway, I told her that I was going to look up some uh, some materials for her to read. Um, she does read there is a divorce situation. So like I said, I, I don't have a great deal of input. I have some that I can do for them. But um, I guess I just they just think that everything is sweet and wonderful and that God's a God of love and he just loves them and that's great. Well, Betty, we're 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 running out of time. I I hope that tomorrow you can call us back in and fill us in a little bit more. Satan is real. Satan operates this way. He operates undercover or he operates full blast. Here I am. And he mm-hmm. operates undercover in all some of these movies. And again, it is dangerous. And teach your granddaughters, yes, Satan is real. He is an enemy. And Alex, uh, I'm afraid people are not ready for that kind of spiritual warfare. We need to try to get them ready, don't we? We do. Satan is real, but he's defeated, and and God is victorious. And so we need to make the Lord number one in our life. We're going to do more of this. I know we had callers we didn't get to today. So we will be back tomorrow on Exploring the Word, 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central. And you can go to AFR.net. Look at the station map and see where there's an AFR affiliate near you. Hey, tell somebody about Exploring the Word and all the good programming on AFR. But most of all, tell everybody about Jesus.